Hi, and welcome to The Booby Girls, a podcast from two friends dedicated to answering the age-old question, which was better, the book or the movie? I'm Rosha. And I'm Hannah. And if you want to hear more from The Booby Girls, we are on Patreon. All you have to do to become a patron is go to patreon.com forward slash The Booby Girls for a bunch of good content, bonus content that you won't get anywhere else. Um, and you will get a sticker eventually. And I will have to, I have to apologize to Katya that I haven't gotten her sticker yet. Brian probably hasn't and gotten Brian, his sticker. <laughs> but you will get your stickers, I promise. I just but did don't. you get Mama Cress her sticker? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. You'll get your sticker soonish. Yes. <laughs> and this week we are covering Into the Wild. Um, I have titled this one, The Hitchhiker's Guide of What Not to Do. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. It's true, though. It is true. I thought I was hoping you were going to do some sort of a play off of Super Tramp. Oh, yeah. I could have done that, too. Yeah. But, that's but okay. like, this seemed more accurate. <laughs> I was also going to go, like, um, something about, like, don't eat moose or something because it, like, totally scarred me. The like, whole actual scene. moose, not my dog moose. Correct. <laughs> Correct. But I went with this because I thought it was cheeky. I like it. <laughs> All right. So the book was originally published January 13th, 1996, and it's written by John Krakauer. That's what I'm going Nailed with. Nailed it. Um, and it's a nonfiction it is based on a true story. Um, it has a Goodreads rating of 3.99 out of 5. So we're just going to round that up to a good 4. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's a whopping 203 pages. It has a 4 on Goodreads? It has a 4 on Goodreads. I hated this book. Ouch. I really hated it. Really? Did you like it? Okay, so I don't want to call it cheating because it's not cheating. Mm-hmm. Reading is reading regardless of how you do it. Yeah. But I chose... So I started reading it and I realized there's a lot of like references to different things that mm-hmm. i have a hard time keeping track so right. i started listening to it on audiobook at yeah. a faster pace and uh-huh. then i read along okay and that helped <laughs> there was just a lot in the, like there's a whole chapter about like somebody else's yeah. journey and i'm like what is this i just and i after watching the movie and the way they laid out the movie mm-hmm. i wish they would have just laid it out like that in the in the book That's it just fair. seemed well we'll talk about it i mean there are a few differences between the book and the movie, um, mainly in like how it's told, really. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why it might yeah. be a little bit easier to follow in the movie versus the book. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I didn't hate it. Did I love it? No. <laughs> <laughs> was I happy when it was over? Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, the movie came out in 2007. So what, is that 11 years after the book came out? Yeah. Which is kind of a long time. Uh, you know, most of these that we've been doing, it's like within a couple of years it mm-hmm. gets picked up. Um, it's rated R, which I was shocked about. There's quite a bit of swearing, I think, right? I guess. It's it's considered uh, adventure, biography, drama, and it's two hours and 28 minutes. Yeah. It's very long. About... An hour and a half too long. <laughs> yeah, it's really long. And there's some really like drawn out moments mm-hmm. where I was just on my phone because I was like, all right, he's going to trek across the terrain for 10 minutes before we get to the next thing. I was really like trying to focus though because it was doing like the where it would show you where he was mm-hmm. and the time and the date. So I was trying to focus. so I didn't miss those. And right. I definitely missed one of them. Mm. But like to your point, there's a bunch that drags right. out and it's weird because i had seen this movie and i definitely remember liking it a lot more than yeah. i did this time around huh. <laughs> so i don't know why uh it's directed by sean penn who mm-hmm. is you know a very famous actor and i actually didn't know this um he's directed 15 films 
I did know he had some directorial yeah, stuff, I but like, I love Sean Penn. Do you? Yeah. There's a, there's a book on our list called Mystic River, mm-hmm. which I didn't know it was a book and it is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it's I have so it. good. I randomly bought it at a Goodwill one day. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> so I really like Sean Penn, but I mean, this movie, it didn't seem like a Sean Penn movie to me. I, w- I wouldn't even know what a Sean Penn movie is. What has he done? Have you know? Do you Mystic know? River. He, he directed Mystic oh, no, River? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> But John Penn is like, he's very much like, kind of like that, um, I don't know, you want to like an Al Pacino type guy. I'm sorry, you know, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> You're comparing him to Al Pacino? The vibe. Okay. Yeah, like that kind of like almost mobster, dark, kind of tough guy. Okay. How, would you, you, how would you describe John Penn? Have you seen I Am Sam? It's okay. very not mobster. Okay, but... <laughs> If you describe Sean Penn, that's what I would describe him as. Yes, as like just a human, I would right. describe him that way. Not necessarily right. in or all de- like acting. a De Niro or something. More De Niro, less Al Pacino. Okay, <laughs> I mean like Al Pacino's like up here. Well, yeah, I didn't say he was better than Al Pacino. <laughs> go. Okay, what about the book? All right. What about the book? No, let's start with the IMDb synopsis. Yeah. It reads, after graduating from Emory University, top student and athlete, Christopher McCandless abandons his possessions, gives his entire $24,000 savings account to charity, and hitchhikes to Alaska to live in the wilderness. Along the way, Christopher encounters a series of characters that shape his life. It's the wildest ride in the wilderness. <laughs> That's all I think of. What is that from? From Thunder Mountain at Disneyland. Oh. <laughs> Like when you get on the train? Yeah. I lost my ears on that ride. But then I got them back, so we're okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, I love this last line, though. It says, along the way, Christopher encounters a series of characters that shape his life. I thought that was interesting, considering it's such a short amount of time that he actually does this traveling and this adventuring. So, like, how it shaped his life? I'm not sure, but... (laughs) It didn't lead him in the best direction. No, definitely not. say that. (laughs) All right. So, some fun facts, or interesting facts, I guess. The book is uh, an expansion, and they do mention this in the uh, book. It's an expansion of a 9,000-word article that the author wrote on uh, McCandless called Death of an Innocent, and it appeared in the 1993, or January 1993 issue of Outside Magazine, which prompted him then to write the book and eventually the movie, which he didn't write the movie. You know what I mean. <laughs> um, the book is an international bestseller. It has uh, been printed in 30 languages and in over 173 editions in different formats, which I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the book is widely used in high school and college reading curriculum, which I thought Did was interesting. Did you ever read it? No. I had, didn't either. I didn't even know it was a book until we added it to huh. the list. So, <laughs> um, In 2019, it was listed by Slate Magazine as one of the 50 best nonfiction works of the past century. Quarter century, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2007, there was a documentary um, by Ron Lamoth named The Call of the Wild. Um, in his version or in his studies about Chris's Chris McCandless's death, he concluded that um, he actually ran out of supplies and game. And mm-hmm. that's what contributed to his death. We'll get to yeah. kind of um, what Krakauer thought was the cause of his death. But um, he did not believe that it was what what is said in the mm-hmm. book and in the movie. Um, and then there's also the... Christopher- what it, sorry, what is that one called? That's called The Call of the Wild and it's documentary. So yeah. this is much more like yeah. film vibe that yeah. was specific documentary. Yeah. 
And then, um, so there is a foundation in his name, the Christopher Johnson McCandless Memorial Foundation. It's headed by his parents, Billy and Walt. Um, they actually did a, they released a book and a DVD called Back Into the Wild, The Photographs and Writings of Christopher McCandless, which has a lot of editorial and writing from his family and friends. Um, the material includes hundreds of previously unseen pictures and journal entries, which I thought was cool. Um, John Krakauer, the author of this book, uh, has a written piece in the book's introduction. And then Hal Holbrook, who is one of the the mm-hmm. actors that played in this movie, um, he narrates the DVD, oh. which I thought was pretty interesting. And then the last uh, tidbit, which this is the coolest thing. So the bus that McCandless actually died in became a tourist attraction. Uh-huh. So there were a bunch of hikers and things that were like yeah. or people that were trying to go see it. So they eventually um, decided to remove it last year, June 18th of last year, because tourists were endangering themselves yeah, because they were trying to go so. look at it. Um, and so they took it away um, and it was airlifted uh, to an undisclosed location until they announced in September that the University of Alaska Museum of the North in Fairbanks um, is, is its permanent residence now. Huh. So you can actually go see it in a museum setting as yeah. opposed to hiking and trekking to go see yeah. it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, have you ever been to Alaska? I have not, but it's definitely on my list. I've been once. Uh, Anchorage, I believe mm-hmm. it was. Because I, I had a friend who was up there. She's a flight attendant. It was beautiful. I saw bet. a moose. <laughs> it was very cold. Yeah. What time of year did you go? Oh, boy. I want to say it was like September. It was. Okay. It definitely wasn't winter, but it was one of my least favorite flights of all. I've flown a lot. It was one of my least favorite flights because... It was really, really bumpy coming mm. down. I think because it's so cold and yeah. the altitude is so crazy up there. Um, but yeah, beautiful. I would love to go back. And boyfriend Ray's sister just got a job in Alaska. That's so For five cool. months. She's going to work up there all summer. That's get out really of the cool. Arizona heat. So we're hoping that she likes it a lot this summer. And then she goes back again. Mm-hmm. So we can go visit her then. She's be just really being cool. a little s- small uh, port town. So. Oh, cute. I don't know. It'd be good. Um, also, funny side note. Uh, boyfriend Ray definitely thought we were doing um, Where the Wild Things Are. <laughs> <laughs> so he was super excited for that? Yeah. He was like, what's that book you're reading? I was like, Into the Wild. He goes, wait, isn't it like a kid's book? And I was like, no. And he goes, aren't you doing Where the Wild Things Are? <laughs> I was like, no. But it can be on our list. I mean, it's a, we'll get there maybe. Sure. And there a was a, week. A, well, and then I think we also um, mistook this for Wild. Oh, which, yeah. That's um, another one. Which is another one that um, Reese Witherspoon is in, right? Uh, I, I believe think. so. Yeah. Um, so well, I'm sure we'll get to that <laughs> one eventually. Because we're so nature <laughs> <laughs> uh, So the movie has an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty good. Uh, the budget was $15 million, which, again, I thought was kind of a lot. Because I'm like, what? You didn't have any sets, really? True. <laughs> it's the wilderness. <laughs> uh, but it grossed uh, $56 million worldwide and actually did better outside of the United States, which I thought was interesting as mm. well. So... Uh, the movie is a two-time Oscar-nominated nom- movie uh, for Best Film Editing and Supporting Role. It didn't win any. Um, but it was also nominated for two Golden Globes and ended up winning uh, Best Original Song in the Golden Globes for Eddie Vedder's song that he did. Mm, interesting. Do you know who Eddie Vedder is? No, but I saw on the credits um, it was original music by Eddie Vedder. Pearl Jam. Ah. Yeah. I don't know a single Pearl Jam song. Well... <laughs> next time (laughs) um the movie is included in the 1001 movies you must see before you die list which i didn't know there was that's a lot of movies that's a good thing we can 
Check it out. In the movie, you can see that Emile Hirsch, who plays uh, Christopher McCandless, um, wears a watch throughout the movie. And it's actually um, a watch that was given to him. And it was actually Chris's real watch. Oh, wow. So he wears it throughout the movie. I thought that was interesting because from what I remember, they don't really mention the watch in the book. No. So I was a little surprised. I was like, oh, what's that blingy thing on his yeah. wrist? <laughs> Evidently, I guess they felt they needed to show it since he was given it, I yeah. guess. I'm All not right. sure. Uh, Sean Penn actually waited 10 years to make this film um, because he needed to get approval from the McCandless family. Ah. And so it well, took a while. reason why it took so long. Yeah. So I don't know what, what the holdup was. <laughs> probably the price i'm I'm assuming so um and the the movie was actually filmed in alaska and it was filmed um during four separate trips uh during different seasons because you you know chris is up there during the winter and part of the spring so they had to you know because it looks very different between the two (laughs) so going along with what you said before uh that bus had become like this big tourist attraction Mm -hmm. they ended up not using the real bus during the movie out of respect for the mccandless family i think they just didn't want to show that all over the big screen um so instead they built a real life replica of it and just so even the outside and stuff is is the replica it's not the actual one so which i thought was kind of nice of them to make sense i guess yeah um also like if i'm emile hirsch i probably don't want to you know perform while i know yeah, someone and died like in that lay bus. on the bed yeah. like no thanks <laughs> no thanks um so the cast was weird <laughs> to say the least i loved emile hirsch so emile yeah. hirsch plays chris mccandless who is the guy who goes out into the wilderness um he's been in movies like the girl next door speed racer um the tv show wizards and one of my favorite movies alpha dog have you ever seen it with Justin Timberlake? No, I can't say that I have. It's actually really good. Uh, he ended up losing 40 pounds to play this role, which he must have had to lose during it. Because like, he, like at the beginning of the movie, he's not as big as he is. Yeah. Well, you if know. you're saying they took you know time at, to do it different seasons, it was probably throughout that he kind of... And he's not a big guy, so 40 pounds is It's a, a lot. lot. I mean, by the end of this movie, like he looks very emaciated. Right. I was like... Like that... And I don't know if we've talked about this or not, but I feel like like nowadays it's like kind of like not frowned upon, but like it's suggested that actors don't go to those extremes for right. a role because it's really not healthy. Right. Um, so, yeah. It's, it's, That's why you're talking about Zac Efron. We're yeah. hoping that the steroids are for some movie. Yeah. If you've seen a photo, <laughs> a recent photo of Zac Efron, I'm not sure what's going on, um, but hopefully he's OK. Um, and yeah, maybe it is for a role. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, Sean Penn actually once envisioned your boy, Leonardo DiCaprio, to play this role, mm. which I don't know if I totally see it. I mean, have you seen The Revenant? I mean, I guess that's true. That's very true. <laughs> but Chris McCandless, I feel like, I mean, Leo would have been how old in 2007? Like, not that young. Late, late 20s? <laughs> early maybe, 30s, maybe? No, maybe. I don't know. I don't actually. know. I just feel like Emile Hirsch was like the better, like age-wise yeah. for this um and he also envisioned uh marlon brando to play wrong ron franz in this movie as well um which i love how holbrook though. i know so um shia labeouf was actually also considered for this role and i could have actually seen him playing that this. actually would have been really great because he's a little kooky duke yeah so was he a kooky duke by then though i think that was like transformer days no it was probably right on the cusp. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Emil Hirsch actually did not use any stuntmen or doubles for this movie. He wanted to do all of it himself. So um, him in the river rapids, confronting the grizzly bear, rock climbing is all him. That's all. Which is wild. Because that awesome. is not 
that doesn't happen a lot. No. And yeah. he, I thought he did an incredible job. Yeah, I thought he was great. Yeah. I think this was probably one of his best movies that I've seen him in. He's been kind of more of a goofy character in yeah, a lot of other things. I actually don't know if I've seen him in anything else. Because I've definitely not seen The Girl Next Door. And mm-hmm. I've never seen Alpha Dog. And I don't know what else he's in. So. Speed Racer. <laughs> definitely haven't seen <laughs> <No>. that either. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought he did a great job. Yeah. So Corinne McCandless, who is Chris's sister, and she's also the narrator of this movie, is played by Jenna Maloney. Uh, she's in all three, or, or she's in three of the Hunger Games. Uh, she's in Batman versus Superman. And she's in one of my favorite movies called Life as a House. Uh, it's with Christian or Hayden Christensen. It's a great movie, but not a lot of people know of it. Never even heard of it. Um, she actually has a lot bigger role in this mm-hmm. film than in the book. She does not narrate this book. No, the book is written by the author from the words of the author. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> for the sake of following along with the story, I liked having that narrator of it. It kind of... Okay. I don't know. I didn't think it needed to be her, but I like that we yeah. had a, a, a voice behind it. Yeah. Um, but it, it brought it more to like a, like a movie story mm-hmm. than like a documentary style. Style. Yeah. And maybe so. that's what Sean Penn was going for. Maybe. So, I mean, she was fine, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, aside from really having like a couple of scenes, the majority of her work yeah. is just voiceover. So uh, Billy McCandless, who is Chris's mom, is played by Maria Gay Harden. She has an Oscar for her supporting role in Pollock. She's in uh, all of the Fifty Shades movies uh, as Christian's mom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She's also in, she has an Oscar nomination for her role in Mystic River. And she's in The Mist as well. I really like her. I think she's a very classic mom character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. that like opening scene, I was like shocked. I was like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> what's happening here? Yeah. I mean, it does happen in the book, but not right at the beginning. Yeah, but I like, I mean, I thought she was fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, Jan Barres, who is Barres, is that right? Sure. Uh, she is one of the characters he comes across while traveling. Uh, she is like a nomad gypsy type, I guess you'd call you them. You call her that. Uh, played by Catherine Creener. Uh, I love her. She's in the 40 year old version. Uh, she's in Get Out. She has two Oscar nominations for Capote and being John Malkovich. Is um, she the mom in Get Out? Yeah, she's the mom uh, in Get Out. Okay. And she's Steve Carell's girlfriend in 40-Year-Old Virgin. Got it. Okay. She's, again, another one of those, like, perfect mom characters. Yeah. Um, and I actually loved her and her husband, their characters in this movie mm-hmm. and in the story. I thought they were... Did they change the the guy's name? His, his name in the movie's Rainy. Yeah. I think his name in the book is like Bob or something. Yeah, it's something weird. <laughs> I was confused. I was like, did she marry somebody else? Or who is this <laughs> yes. guy? Yes, I like their characters as um, well. But I really liked her too. Yeah. Uh, so here's a weird one. Uh, Wayne Westerberg <laughs> is played by Vince Vaughn. Uh, obviously, we know him from Dodgeball, Wedding Crashers, Fred Claus, The Breakup, blah, blah, blah. Such a weird cast for casting decision for I didn't me. hate it I don't know I just was like I was just it was just very like yeah. I, I just know like Vin, knowing Vince Vaughn for these other movies yeah it was just kind of like I, I guess here's my thing with a Vince Vaughn type character 
Vince Vaughn is very particular in the type of movies we know mm-hmm. him as. For. I think that's why it works against those types of actors. Yeah. Because if they ever try to do or do a serious mm-hmm. role, this happens where people are like, don't take it seriously right. or they find it weird. Yeah. Um, I thought he was fine. There's yeah. a little bit of humor in his character yeah. still, which is good. Um, but yeah, I think he has the look to be able to do more serious True. acting. I just I think so. don't know if he's ever found like that good role for him. Yeah, I did think that uh, the Wayne Westerberg character, though, was a lot more prevalent in the book than it was in the movie. In the movie, they're just kind of like, yeah, he went to work there. This is what happened. He kind of goes back and forth a couple times in the movie with Wayne. Yeah. Um, So, yes, I don't know. But, yeah, I thought that was very strange. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, uh, Ron Franz, who is an older guy that Chris comes along, he's just like everyone's favorite grandpa, is played by Hal Holbrook. Um, sadly he did pass away in January, um, but he was nominated for his, for the best supporting role for this movie. He didn't, um, didn't win, but I thought that was kind of cool that he was nominated. Yeah. Um, and he does have four primetime Emmys and he's fabulous. And I love he him. He is. He's such a sweet. I love when he's like running up the mountain. Yeah. He's like, I, I can't do it anymore. No. Um, I was just watching the, the Grammy or Grammys, the Oscars. And he was part of the in memoriam. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow. I know. <laughs> but he lived a long, great life, yes. it seemed like. And very, you know, esteemed uh, yes. career, for sure. <laughs> um, so here's another weird one. Uh, Tracy Tartrow. Do we Tartrow? even have to bring her up? <laughs> I mean, we have to because th- this is not a character in the book, correct? She is briefly mentioned. Yeah. So she is like, ends up kind of being a love interest sort of for Chris that he meets at the trailer park when he's with um, Jan and Rainey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, played by Kristen Stewart. Yeah, unfortunately. So this movie came out bef- the year before the first Twilight movie came out. So this is right on the cusp of her Twilight the sad Adventure. news is, regardless of the time, she's just still a terrible actress. <laughs> yeah, uh, she did end up. She did co-write one of the songs that her character sang in the film, which I thought was kind of cool. She didn't actually sing it, though, did she? Is that her voice? I think it is. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. This character's just really awkward to me, and I just didn't feel like we needed it. They did not need to give him a love story. That was so no. unnecessary because the whole book, like, it's mentioned how he never really had a love interest, mm-hmm. and never had really many girlfriends. Like that wasn't. A thing that was like in his life so to like randomly throw this like love interest into the yeah. movie felt very disjointed for me yeah and, and then like it's Kristen Stewart it's Kristen Stewart and she's only supposed to be she's like what 16 in, in the, literally in the film yeah and so it's gonna be this like weird like like pedophile thing if he does like, right. like it's just weird to me um, okay, here's another weird one. Uh, Kevin, who is someone is friends with um, with Wayne Westerberg or whatever, um, is played by Zach Galifianakis, yeah. which I did not even notice. Oh, really? No, I didn't see it on the credits mm. rolling, and then I didn't even recognize him. Um, but obviously, we know from all the Hangover movies, yeah. but I just thought it was so bizarre. <laughs> well, those were, this was pre-Hangover, right? Yeah. 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 So I didn't so notice funny. on the credits either, but when they panned to him, I was like... I had to do a double take. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, that's Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> uh, and then last uh, character is uh, Jim Gallion. Gallion, I think, is actually played by Jim Gallion. Oh. He is, um, it, he's at the very beginning of the movie. He's the one that passes the boots to Chris mm-hmm. as he leaves. Um, he is actually the last known person to see uh, Christopher Alexander Supertramp Johnson McCandless. <laughs> before he died so that's crazy so yeah i thought it was kind of cool that he had the cameo in the in the movie that's awesome all right time for who said it 
Your first quote is. I'm not going to get any of these. Well. I'm not going to get any of them. You may get like one. Chris. I'm going <laughs> to guess Chris for yeah. all of them. <laughs> you could tell right away that Alex was intelligent. He read a lot. Used a lot of big words. I think maybe part of what got him into trouble was that he did too much thinking. Isn't it all of our problem? <laughs> um, let's go with Ron. Mm, Wayne. Mm. <laughs> Next up. Sometimes I think it was like he was storing up company for the times when he knew nobody would be around. Jan. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Very motherly. Yes. Next one. When I heard his voice, it was like sunshine after a month of rain. Oh. Um, Ron. Yes. Wow. Ron. I know. So sweet. Next one. The very basic core of a man's living spirit is his passion for adventure. Oof. Oof. That's a hard one. Let's go with Corinne. Mm, it's Chris. Ah, Chris actually. I didn't even that. guess Chris at all. <laughs> yeah, it was. I think it was in a letter that he wrote to Wayne, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, last one. See, that's, that's a trick. But it's still written I know. and said <laughs> by Chris. <laughs> last one. It is easy when you are young to believe that what you desire is no less than what you deserve. To assume that if you want something badly enough, it is your God-given right to have it. Oh, Chris. Mm, trick <laughs> question. It was drawn. The author of the book. Oh, that is <laughs> such a trick question. I just really like that quote. It so. is a good quote. <laughs> All right. Your options for F. Mary Kill are Chris, Alexander Supertramp, <laughs> um, Wayne, and Jan. Jan. Oh, I'm definitely walking in the wild with Jan. <laughs> she gets a sex scene in the movie. It can't not, you know? Um, oh, gosh. Who, okay, Chris, and then who else? Wayne. Wayne? Good old Wayne. Okay. I mean... Hmm. I mean, I, I guess I got to kill Wayne, because Wayne's, like, going to jail. He gets, like, <laughs> caught by the FBI, so yeah. he's not going to be a good husband. Yeah. Uh, Chris doesn't last too long, but I guess I'll marry Chris. Okay. Um... Even though it didn't fare well for Chris, I'm going to have to walk into the wild with him. Okay. Because he seems like he... He has zero experience. Zero experience, but, like, he still loves living off the land. So, sure. you know? Okay. Seems like he has a wild side. Who knows? Okay. Um, I'm going to kill Wayne. Yeah. Too, because, like, what is he doing for me? Nothing. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to marry Jan because even though she's, like, got a wild side, like, she has a very motherly, mm-hmm. you know, disposition. And, like, mm-hmm. she just seems like a good... She could be a good wife. She is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are my choices. Good choices. <laughs> All right. So we will get into this. This movie actually um, does what I love and breaks it down. I was thinking. There's that. like different like, chapters. I was like, oh my God, Hannah's going to love this. I love it. <laughs> uh, the movie starts out with, you know, quote about nature. I don't remember what the quote was, but it's just like this big, long quote. Speaking of quotes, every chapter started with like a quote from I a book. It. Yeah. Same. Skipped right over it. <laughs> I was like, this has nothing to do with, with the book. We're going to keep sure it I'm sure there's a lot of like inspirational stuff happening in those quotes, but like I wasn't here There was it. only one that I read because it was like a newspaper article about mm. his death, which I yeah. read, I guess. There's but... a lot of Thoreau and I was like, if I wanted to read Thoreau, I would just read Thoreau. Correct. Um, so yeah, so I don't know who who or what the quote was, but there was that's how it opens. Um, but the you kind of mentioned really quickly about... Um, we get a scene of Chris's mom just wakes up in the middle of the night and she hears him crying for help to her. Because at this point, they don't know where where he is. The book actually like basically starts out with them finding him, right? Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, we know he didn't make it. Right. 
which I guess everyone kind of knows if you know the story. Yeah. Basically. Um, I mean, yeah. And knowing that this, you know, was sparked from a news article that, or not a news article, but a magazine article that he wrote. Yeah. It's pretty obvious that he didn't make it. Uh, We then see a bunch of writing on the screen um, about how he made it to Fairbanks and like other letters that he wrote, because that is kind of a big theme throughout the book, how he writes like little letters or postcards to Mm -hmm. people, which other than that beginning part of the movie, we don't get that throughout the movie there was like one little piece like midway through but Mm -hmm. other than that no yeah i did like the way they did it though like how it was like text on the screen yeah i I mean i thought this this movie was beautifully done and like the editing was really good but uh so then he gets he gets dropped off at the end of the road uh by a man jim galleon um who gives him his boots and he says you know call him if he ever gets out give him a call that call never came. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that does happen in the book as well. Um, and then he basically just walks out into, into the, the wild. wild. Uh, and then the next thing we get is that he's hunting without his pants on <laughs> and cooking squirrels. Uh, so yeah, so he jumps right into Chris in the wild, kind of almost towards the end of his journey. Yeah, they definitely like flip flopped, you know, the mm-hmm. sequence of events. Yeah. Because then the next thing we find is him finding the magic bus, the shelter, the Fairbanks 142 um, is ends up being this like broken down bus in the middle of the wilderness that he takes shelter in yeah. basically. Um, and he's yelling out to nobody. <laughs> he's really like all alone, um, but he cleans up the bus, like makes it his own. Um, he even carves like a message into, into the wood of the bus. Uh, and I think that's actually one of like the last quotes in the book mm-hmm. is, is that because his parents actually end up going back and seeing that written on, on the bus, which yeah. I thought was cool. Um, we see that he almost kills a caribou. Um, but it's with a baby, so he doesn't want to want to kill it. Because in the book, we actually he, we get a notion that he doesn't like killing animals. Mm-hmm. Like that's why all. he really wanted to live off of like the plants and the you know flora and fauna of, yes. of the wild, not necessarily <laughs> the animals. Yeah. So and then now we get a flashback to his college graduation. Um, and he like randomly like runs up on stage. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't remember. I was like, oh my God, what if he like flashes everybody? <laughs> oh my gosh. It was so funny. Um, uh, but he ends up meeting up with his mom and dad and his sister for, I guess, a dinner or after graduation meal. Uh, and he tells his parents his grades are good enough to go to Harvard. Like he's very smart and he has about $25,000 left in his college fund. Uh, and his parents want to pay for the rest of law school, get him a new car. Um, but he's like, no, I want to keep my broken down Datsun. He's like, what do I need a new car for? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that kind of just basically sets up. We go into a little bit more detail in the book about, you know, his upbringing and how, you know, everything was kind of laid out for him. Mm-hmm. He had a perfectly normal life by... Yeah. From the outside looking in. Yeah. Obviously, we get a little bit more even in the movie and in the book about how his family life wasn't necessarily the best. Right. Um, but for all intents and purposes, he did have a good upbringing. He had money to be able to afford doing all the things that normal mm-hmm. kids get to do. So, yeah. um, But clearly, there was something that was missing for him. Yeah. Because the next scene we get is him giving away his money to charity. And he cuts up his ID and, and his social security card. And he's out of there. Yep. So this is where we get chapter one <laughs> and it's, it's titled uh, My Own Birth. And it's basically about him leaving town and he's heading west. Uh, 
presumably to Arizona, where yeah. we are. Um, and he gets hit by a flash flood. <laughs> Bad luck. Yeah, he gets hit by a flash flood uh, and his car ends up getting stuck. Uh, I think we do find out in the movie that, or in the book that the car actually wasn't broken. <laughs> like he just needed to yeah, let it dry Yeah, he just abandoned out. it. Yeah. <laughs> he like was they, like, well... Might as well leave down. Yeah, because evidently in a flash flood, if it gets wet, just let it dry out and it'll be fine. <laughs> Who would have known? <laughs> right. Uh, but he ends up, at that point, he ends up burning his money uh, that he had left. And he like takes the license plate because he doesn't want anyone to find the car and tell his parents basically Trace where he is. Yeah. Uh, and he kind of just lives the homeless life for a while. And this is where he takes on the name Alexander Supertramp. <laughs> so I think for most of my notes, I have him as Alex. Oh, really? I kept him as Chris. So Alex slash Chris, same person for, you know, for the story. (laughs) Uh, And I was very confused about what Super Tramp was. Mm -hmm. Like Tramp is, it has a negative connotation, but really it's someone who kind of just travels, right? By foot. I don't know. Is what I think, is what I've, I think I, oh, because they go into a little bit later about how there's leather tramps and there's rubber oh, yes. tramps yeah. and like leather tramps are the ones that go by foot. foot. Rubber tramps mm-hmm. have actual uh, mode of transportation. Yeah. So, so I guess super tramp just means the tramp of the mall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but then we do see that his parents actually went to Atlanta where he was in going to school to surprise him. And they come to find out a for rent sign is on his apartment and all of the letters that they wrote him, you know, have been returned. Uh, so, which has got to be like every parent's worst nightmare. I can just imagine like my, if I, first of all, I would never do this to my parents, but if I did, my parents would like lose their minds. Right. Like literally I'm 34 years old. Boyfriend Ray and I went away for the weekend, just three hours away. I felt like I needed to text my mom when we got there. Mm -hmm. And then I forgot to text her when I, when I, when we got back on Sunday, but she texted me and was like, are you guys home? Are you safe? And I'm like, (laughs) oh my God, I felt so bad that I like, we would have even worried her. I am on a... Um, phone schedule with my mother. <laughs> I have to call her at 7.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. I have to call her at some point during lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And then I, if it's like after one o'clock, she texts me and says, did you have a lunch? Or are you just in meetings? <laughs> What's the issue? And then I have to call her after work. The only exception is Mondays, which we record yes. the, the podcast and she knows that I'm with you. That's the only exception. <laughs> we are such good daughters. We are. I don't have a choice. I know. She feeds you. That's true. Uh, but then we see that he's had, he's now headed from, you know, the Southwest up to the Northwest and we get to see the Northwest forest, which is where, you know, I'm from. So it's just beautiful. Uh, and we end up seeing him hitchhiking and this is where he gets picked up by Rainy and Jan. Uh, and this is kind of where they describe the difference between the leather and the rubber tramps. Uh, and you know, he basically says, they're like, why would you burn your money? Like, what what would cause you to do that? And he says, he's like, people, money makes people cautious. Mm-hmm. You know, it it makes you, it, it revolves around everything, which, I mean, is fair to say. It's very fair to say. So, I mean, I'm not going to burn my money anytime soon. No. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out how to multiply my money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and poor Jan, she's like, do your parents know where you are? And he's just like, nope. They definitely don't. And like he tells him, you know, his dad worked for NASA and his mom and dad uh, ended up starting their own consulting business. And they really used to fight all the time. And they used to basically cry to cry wolf on divorce all mm-hmm. the time. And this is kind of our first inkling of like the home life is not as good as what it really seemed to be. Yep. So, uh, you know, at this point, Jan kind of shares that her and Rainy are having some problems and, 
Oh, no. That, sorry. I go back. At this point, I think we're on the beach with Rainy and mm-hmm. Jan. And Jan's, like, out by, like, the ocean. <laughs> She's contemplating yeah, life. Yeah. And Rainy's like, you know, we're not doing great. And so Chris is like, oh, don't worry about it. I got it. And so he, like, runs to her and, like, they go frolicking into the ocean. <laughs> uh, and he, like, cheers her up and he talks to her. But not and... before he mentions that he's afraid of water, which I thought was interesting. Oh. Uh, I don't remember this whole scene in the book. Um, we don't get much about Jan and her husband's relation. Not a ton. Not their relationship, but much earlier in the book than in the movie, we get the um, information that Jan has not spoken to her own son right. in over two years. So they're estranged. And she obviously has an interesting, or not an interesting, but a deep connection with Chris mm-hmm. for this reason. Chris slash Alex. Yeah. Um, and so we get that much sooner in the yeah. book. Um and that's really what Jan's like character is really like mm-hmm. rooted in, not yeah. really her and Rainey. So her and Rainey end up kind of reconciling and talking to each other. And at that point, Chris is like, my work here is done. <laughs> and he ends up leaving them, you know, basically in the middle of the night and just kind of leaves them on the beach. So now it's chapter two and it's titled Adolescence. And we see him hi- hitchhiking once again. Uh, and then this is also where the police found, found his car. And, you know, the way they found the car with no license plate, no nothing, basically it's showing his parents that he doesn't want to be found, right. which is, again, got to be the worst. Yeah. So now we see him actually in Alaska. This is, it kind of jumps back and forth a little bit of like him in Alaska, you know, his end game here, and then kind of what he did to get there yeah. a little bit. Let's refer to it as in the wild. In the that wild. That way you can kind of, I know the other sections are kind of segmented, but let's just refer to Alaska as the wild. Okay. So he, so now we see him in the wild and he's rationing his rice and he's starting to lose like a ton of weight. He's having to like poke holes in his belt and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we see that spring is coming and the snow is melting. So it's like almost like if you can get through the winter in the wild, you can get through anything, presumably. One would hope. Yeah, one would hope. So now we get another flashback, and we see that he went to go work on a farm in this town called Carthridge. Carthridge, yeah, Carthage. with Wayne. <laughs> and Wayne's a wackadoo, <laughs> and uh, Wayne's really kind of just trying to bring this kid back down to earth. And is like, what are you talking about? Like, get to work. Yeah. Like, stop. get a job, yeah. get paid. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then. At the same time, we see that his parents now have found out that he also gave all his money away. And they're like, all right, let's hire a PI. <laughs> well, like, and to your point of, like, th- they're probably so scared because there was zero indication or really... I mean, you kind of hear it from the sister that he's always been kind of a wanderer or mm-hmm. wanderlust. Um, but, like, there's really no reason for them to have believed he would just, just go away right. and not tell anyone. So... While he's working with Wayne, he's meeting a bunch of different people, including Kevin, (laughs) and he ends up getting uh, some outdoor advice from Kevin. And one of the big things that Kevin talks about is, you know, if you end up killing an animal, like this is how you cut it up. This is like what you need to do to make sure the meat doesn't go bad Mm -hmm. before, you know, the flies get to it, basically. Um, And now we see (laughs) Ferris working on the farm and all of a sudden the FBI shows up. And they arrest Wayne for his little black boxes, which I can't remember exactly what that was. I don't know. But he's doing something illegal. Yeah, he's doing some <laughs> illegal stuff. Um, and they end up having to shut the farm down. And this is where Chris leaves the farm. And this this is the last time we see 
the farm in in the movie. Mm-hmm. In the book, he goes back to work with Wayne. Yes, because he needs point. some extra money to get him to Alaska. Yeah. So I guess for time purposes, but also I'm like, this is a two and a half hour movie. Like that's part of the journey was him going back there. So not sure why that didn't happen. But so he leaves the farm and um, we also get at this point, we find out that after he graduated high school, uh, Chris went and to California to find out because his, his dad was married before mm-hmm. ends up finding out the real story of how his parents got together, that his mom was basically a mistress of his dad and that he had a wife and kids while he was with his mom. Mm-hmm. And to even add on to that, after Chris was born, he was still like when Chris was born, he was still with his first wife right. and had another baby after Chris was born with his first wife. Yes. So it was this whole like thing. Like I couldn't imagine if you found that out about your family. Well, and again, that goes back to, you know, not every, everything is not as it seems. Right. Um, clearly that had a negative effect on him and his relationship with his dad and even his mom um, to where, you know, he didn't really trust them fully. And they make it very much seem like that was the turning point mm-hmm. and the catalyst for this, which it may have been, uh, because they talk about how that basically just turned Chris's life like completely upside down. And he actually never even told his parents that that he, he knew. Did that, yeah. Um, but his sister did know about it as well. So I'm assuming that's how they found out that he knew. Um, so, but the next thing we see is Chris is paddling down the river in the Grand Canyon. <laughs> um, I really like that scene though when he's at. He's talking to the ranger and the uh-huh. ranger's like, yeah, it's like a, what What did he say? Like seven, 12 years. 12 year wait list. And he's like, yeah, right. I know. That's an added scene. That was not in the book. Yeah. I don't think. Uh, but yeah, he's like, 12 years? Yeah. Like that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, but it's so funny because like living in Arizona, it's like, yeah, you need a freaking permit for everything. Right. And it's got like, especially Chris, who's like wanting to just be out in the wild, be like, what? Like that's part of living off the land, not having to do things for the man, right. you know? So I thought that was interesting that they added that. Um, but he ends up buying uh, an old kayak and he goes out there into this like really like kind of hard rapids with zero experience. And like no helmet or anything. Nothing, <laughs> nothing. Um, but after he get he gets through the rapids and he ends up running into a couple from Copenhagen, <laughs> which this does, this does not happen in the book. No. Um, their names are Mads and Sonia. And uh, they're just free spirits. She like doesn't wear a top. I guess there's the rated R. There's some new. Oh, true. Here. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> um, but the, Mads, the guy, ends up telling Chris like, "Hey, you can actually get to Mexico from this river." <laughs> <laughs> and which actually, this it's like a different way they talk. This that whole thing about him trying to get to Mexico from mm-hmm. this river does happen in the book. Yeah, um, but just he, not in this way. He gets stuck like he he thinks that he has like the pathway to go but eventually he gets to a point where like the um, canals or whatever are just so narrow Mm -hmm. and so just unpassable that he like struggles to do it he eventually does get to his destination in mexico but like not easily not the way that the movie portrays it (laughs) uh so but the river patrol ends up showing up and chris leaves he's like i gotta go because i don't have my permit (laughs) uh and then we also get the fact that here that his sister who is the narrator of this film is very upset that she has not heard from him like she kind of understands what he's doing yeah she just wants to know like he's still alive close growing up yeah so 
Um, but he ends up uh, kayaking through Havasu. He sees a bunch of wild horses, which is cool because we actually see wild horses in Arizona mm-hmm. every now and then, which is really cool. Um, and he ends up writing a letter to Wayne about, um, you know, tramping is too easy with the money because Wayne gave him a bunch of money for his work and right. he ended up basically sending the money back. He's like, tramping is too easy with all this money. That defeats the purpose. So I'm like, just stop paying this kid. He doesn't want your money. <laughs> Apparently he just wants to work for free. Right. Uh, so he does end up making it to Mexico. Um, he lived in a cave for a little bit. Then um, a sandstorm took his kayak away. Yeah. Um, and now he doesn't have an ID to get through the border. Does that whole thing happen in the book where he has to like go through the border with mm-hmm. no ID? Yeah. I like totally missed that. But they like they brushed over it. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because I feel like it's a lot harder. And maybe it wasn't in 96 or whenever. Maybe. He, what was it? 92 he was doing all this? Yeah. Maybe it wasn't as hard. Um, I mean, who knows though? Because remember when Ray's sister didn't have an ID to get on a plane from Vegas? Yeah. And it's like they literally asked her what her last name was and what she was doing. But I feel like if you're coming from a different country, yeah. and we're speaking out of, you know, 2021 yeah. times, um, but I'm thinking it's probably, a, it was a lot easier yeah. back then. because he ends up getting back. <laughs> um, but he ends up popping on a freight train going who knows where, um, which I always think is like, that's going to be a really quick way to travel. Freight like, train? Yeah. Yeah. There's no stopping. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but you know, like if you're homeless and you want to get somewhere, like, yeah, I would definitely try that. Yeah. But then also there's no stopping. So like if you need to like stop in between of the two destinies, like from point Gotta A to point off. B, Gotta you're jump. just jumping off. <laughs> uh, but he does make it to LA and he goes to a mission to get, you know, his help or get his ID and ask for a bed to sleep in. That lady was so nice. She was so nice. I was like, I really hope there's people like her yeah. that work in those missions. Cause yeah. that's gotta be one of the hardest jobs. For sure. Um, but does that happen in the book? Because I don't remember that. He definitely gets an ID, but like that specific scene, I don't think we yeah. get. So we see him walking around kind of like a skid row. Uh, we see him going through like a bar scene and kind of envisions, envisions himself inside that bar scene, which I thought was kind of a neat a neat scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but he ends up leaving the mission even without sleeping there. And I love how she's like, super tramp, where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> um, but that is the end of that chapter. And now we get chapter three of the movie titled Manhood. And he jumps on another train. But unfortunately, this part, this time he gets caught. Yeah. And he gets beat up bad. Mm. Uh, but now we see him in the wild. And he's, you know, catching some food. He's gaining weight. He's thriving. <laughs> he is thriving. Um, but then we get a flashback a little bit about, you know, his parents fighting all the time and how he, in LA, he ended up going to work for Burger King. I think in the book, it's McDonald's. It's not Burger King in the it's book. It's not McDonald's. Or no, it's not like Burger King. Um, but we see him with no socks on, which I thought was funny because in the book, they talk about how he hated wearing socks. Yeah. And like right after his shift, he'd throw them off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we see again, his parents were struggling and, or we see his parents struggling because they don't still don't know where he is. And, you know, his mom is starting to think that she sees him everywhere mm. and... Um, that's gotta be so tough yeah and she like can like sense like a threat you know like when you know your kid's in trouble like you can just sense it moms have that man they really do they really do um and now we see him in the wild again and he's hunting because he and you gotta you gotta think again he doesn't want to kill animals so if he's trying to hunt an animal he's in really bad shape i hate this scene he ends up killing a moose i know which evidently is like a normal thing in Alaska. Yeah. They eat moose. Yeah. 
it's just weird to me. They like people eat bison and stuff. No, I get that, but like the fact that like you can only really find moose up there, you'd think moose would be an endangered species by now. Maybe there's just so many of them. Maybe I mean moose are wild in Alaska. They just go everywhere. True, but anyways, he. It, it's the crazy thing is in the book. I think they mention it specifically. Um, he he mentions that it, he got a smaller moose. Yeah, which was about six hundred pounds. Right. I was like, that's small. Giant. Just giant. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Ridiculously yeah. big. Uh, but he, you know, going back to what Kevin had told him about, you know, cutting up game is he has to hurry to try to conserve the meat before the flies get to it. And you just see him just struggling mm-hmm. and he's trying to get the meat off because it, he doesn't want to kill this animal for no reason. And like this scene is just so gut wrenching. Yeah. What I really liked um you get a lot more description in the book. Mm-hmm. And in this case, in this scenario specifically, um, it, they, it, the author mentions that the, the advice that Kevin gave him is based on hunting and hunting game in like the South and mm-hmm. like in warmer conditions. Right. Whereas, cause he, I think he told him to, um, to uh, smoke it, smoke it. Thank you to, to preserve it. So he was trying to do that same thing in alaska but the conditions are completely right. different so he didn't know specifically what he needed to do in alaska to p- preserve yeah i think meat. well and in the book they tell us like what he should have done was cut it up into very thin pieces mm-hmm. and basically make it into like a jerky type yeah. thing so because unfortunately he does try to smoke it and the flies get to it and they lay maggots and it's gross yeah. and he's just so upset with himself that he killed this moose for no reason because he basically didn't get any meat from right. this moose and he calls it one of the biggest tragedies of his life. We see him writing it down. And he ends up just giving the meat to the wolves, mm-hmm. which I'm sure the wolves Love very that. much enjoyed. Yes. <laughs> Even if it was maggot infested. Gross. <laughs> uh, but now it's chapter four and it's titled Family. And Chris ends, actually ends up going back to find Jan and Rainy mm-hmm. and, at their flea market RV park. <laughs> I'm like, what a way to live, man. Sounds like a fun time, man. They sell books. I'm like, I'm here for it. I know. Uh, And we see Tracy performing on their makeshift stage, which does not happen in the book. (laughs) Um, But we see that Alex is basically taking this time with them to start training for Alaska because he knows it's going to be hard conditions. He's going to need some good cardio and some muscle. I would have just been like, give me all the food. Yeah. Like, let me fat me up, man. Uh, But so... You know, he's doing all this, yet we see, you know, Tracy giving him eyes the whole time. (laughs) Um, And she ends up going over to talk to Alex and inviting him to go to a place called Salvation Mountain, which I thought was interesting because that's not in the book, Mm -hmm. but it is a real place. It's a real place in California um, that you can go visit any any day. That's cool. It's not too far from us, actually. So forever in the area. (laughs) But yeah, it's just kind of one of those touristy places you can go Mm -hmm. like take Instagram photos at or something. Uh, But at this point, Jan, this is where Jan ends up telling Alex about her son, Reno, who she hasn't heard from in two years, which again, makes her that much closer to Alex. Chris, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then we get this really awkward scene between Tracy and Chris because she like wants to have sex with him. Yeah. And is trying. My parents are in in town for the day. Right. She like tries to like awkwardly seduce him and he's like, nah, thanks. You're only 16. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, thank you. Um, But he's like, you know, but we can perform on stage together. 
So they do that. just as good as sex, right? Sure. (laughs) Um, But we do see that then Alex decides to leave. Alex Chris decides to leave. And Tracy is just devastated. (laughs) 16-year-old devastated. Listen, she thought that was her one true love. I know. But it's so sad seeing Jan say goodbye to Chris Mm. because she knit him a little hat. That was cute. um, That he ends up using as almost like a place marker um, Mm. in the wild, which I thought was kind of a good full circle moment. Um, Because the next thing we see is him in the wild. And this point, when he's in the wild, we see him actually packing up. And he's like, all right, I'm good. I'm ready to go home. Um, In the book, we kind of get more of what we think he was thinking during that time Mm -hmm. of like, I could go further. I could go on. But like, what's the point type thing? Um, I what I'm interested in was like, what was he going to do when he left? Like, was he just going to go home? Well, like, was he going to go back to Jan and Rainey? Like, I just always wonder kind of like what his thought was. And no one will necessarily know. But I do think that like he was getting to the point where he had kind of done what he wanted, what he set out to Mm -hmm. do. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily that he was going to go back to his parents per se, but like maybe joining civilization in some shape or form. Maybe being that Jan Rainey style of living um, but definitely going back to like not just being solitary and like all by himself yeah so what i failed to mention at the beginning of the of this was at the beginning of the movie when he's going out to the wild before he finds this bus he ends up crossing this river Mm -hmm. it's almost like a stream at this point yeah at the beginning at that point it's like a stream because it's it's during kind of towards the end of winter there's snow there's ice that's over it so it's not very big so now he's all packed up ready to go home here and he gets to the river and it is huge. Mm-hmm. It is like a river you cannot go across. Raging rapids like crazy. There's no way he can get across from this. Um, and he at one point he kind of like falls into the river mm-hmm. randomly, which doesn't happen in the No, book. he actually like tries to like go in and I'm yeah. like, you're really going to try right. this? But yeah, that doesn't happen in the book. What I thought was interesting is at the end of the book... Whoever, or was it the the author, mm-hmm. ends up going back to do the route where mm-hmm. Chris was. And he they talk about how if he would have gone up the river a yep. little bit, he could have gotten across. Mm-hmm. And I guess there was a point where they kind of panned out and you can kind of see it. Yeah. Um, but if you don't know that what, that's what you're looking at. Well, and like, that's the fascinating part and they do, they go much more into detail in the book. So yes, if he went a little bit further up, he would have gone to an area where he could have passed. Mm-hmm. Further down was like a set of cabins where people mm-hmm. stay. He wasn't even that far out of like the outskirts of town. Like there was right. a town very nearby him. So he thought he was out in the wilderness and he thought he was doing this like awesome solitary, yeah. you know, uh, adventure. But realistically, he was much closer to help yeah. than he even had any idea. Which is why I, I wish they would have taken the time to paint that picture in the movie. I agree. Um, especially with the cabins, they even talk about in the book how these cabins were trashed. Mm-hmm. Um, like someone came in and just went through them. And at one, some some people think that Chris actually found these cabins right. and was so mad because he thought he was out away from civilization right. and it was there. So was sticking I, it to the man. Yeah, I just thought it was very interesting that they left all yeah. of that out. And another thing that the author points out is if he had a topography map, Mm -hmm. he would have been able to identify all of these things. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people after his death 
assume that he was just a novice and just didn't know things. But yeah. a lot of the times, a lot of the things that happened to him was because he was ill-prepared. Right. Not necessarily that he was dumb or didn't know how to mm-hmm. survive. He just the didn't The number the one Boy Scout rule is be prepared. Right. <laughs> so, I don't which, think he was in the Boy which Scouts. Which he was not. Um, so, yeah. So when he gets to that river at this point, he just decides to go back to the bus. And you can see that he's just, like, lonely and scared. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just kind of panicking at this point. So now we're in chapter five and it's called Getting Wisdom. And we're at the Sultan Sea. I guess that's what this town is called. (laughs) And this is where we meet Ron. And he gets picked up by him. And he's just this beautiful old man. Mm -hmm. Um, And we come to find out that Chris is actually staying at this point. Because this is all a flashback scene. Um, We see that Chris is staying at a place called near Oh My God Hot Springs. (laughs) (laughs) Which is basically like uh, where a camp of naked... It's naked hippie camp. Yeah, it's a nudist camp. Yeah, dope smokers and nudists, as Ron calls them. (laughs) Um, But he said, you know, Ron is like, what are you doing? Like, why are you out here? Like, I can help you. And he, you know, he explains to Ron that he's out there by choice. It's not because he needs to be... He has to be out there. So Ron invites him to dinner um, at his house. And we find out that Ron's wife and son were killed by a drunk driver, which is super sad. Um, He goes, but... Ironically enough, I became a drunk after that, you know, which unfortunately probably happens. Yeah. But he pulled his life together and he started his old, his own leather embroidery business. Seems like a booming business. If you right. Ask me. Um, and he shows Chris how to do it. Um, and he really, Chris spends quite a bit of time with Ron. Mm-hmm. I think even more so in the book, the, their relationship was even portrayed even better and stronger, I think. Um and, you know, he, he, it's so funny because at this point, Chris is like, you need to get out, Ron, yeah. Mr. Franz, as he calls him, Mr. Franz, you need to get out to the world. You need to just get out on the road. Like you got a lot of life to live. Like Ron is like 78 years old and he's like, you got a lot of life to live. I don't know. He's pretty um, agile for a right. 70 something year old. I know. It's interesting that in the movie, they chose to kind of have this as a verbal conversation between mm-hmm. the two of them. Whereas in the book, it's actually in a letter that he writes Ron mm-hmm. after he leaves that lets him know like, hey, like you have a lot of life to live. Like yeah. it may not seem that way. Like make a big life change. Right. Like, go out and see the world. Like right. you deserve it. And Ron actually does end up doing Yeah, it. which they don't talk about in the right. in the movie, which I thought was kind of sad. Uh, but he uh, he gets Mr. Franz to climb a giant hill with him, um, basically after talking crap to him. <laughs> uh, but now we see uh, Chris back in the wild and he's hungry. He's super hungry. He's panicking. And you can just like see it like this is not going to end well. And we see that he had this like book or pamphlet or something about like different things he can eat and what not to eat. He's trying to find these like edible berries and this wild potato root. Um, And he's trying to figure out what he can eat, what he can't eat. And he's basically just starving to death, Mm -hmm. which has got to be one of the absolute worst ways to go. Yeah. Um, so he ends up finding this wild potato root and he's eating it and he's just like, not okay. Come to find out that the sweet pea plant looks basically identical, identical to this potato root. And, but one is edible. One one is not not. the sweet pea plant is super poisonous. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually like just heightens all of the starvation. So, we do see that he ends up making it to a hundred days, uh, which is a lot, but he's super skinny. 
Um, a bear comes to the camp at one point and doesn't even like. There's nothing there. There's, there's no meat on that. There's on the nothing. Bones. There's nothing. Yeah. So now we see a flashback to him to the night that he left uh, Mr. Franz, Ron. And he ends up telling him, he's like, I'll take, you know, they're saying goodbye. But Mr. Francis is like, I'll take you on the first leg of your trip. Like, I'll take you. Yeah. Um, he ends up giving him a machete and some other things to help him be prepared for this trip. And I think Ron actually in the book ends up taking him like the whole way. Because he's like, okay, I'm only going to take you this far. Yeah. But no, I think I'm going to take you like base. He almost takes him, I think basically the whole way i don't think it's ron actually in the book he gets picked up by a um like a semi truck driver oh and the guy's like i have to go a certain way but i can only take you because i'm really not allowed to pick you pick hitchhikers up and then eventually he feels bad for him and then finally at the end he meets um galleon or whatever his name is yeah he uh franz does take him to a certain point but then they they part ways um but this uh, this scene is so sad because he then asks chris if he can adopt him and chris is basically like we'll talk about it when i get back from the wild and it's just like heart-wrenching like heart-wrenching um but then we kind of just get this montage of all of the people that chris met along the way and all of his family and because now we see him in the wild again and he's writing in this book of happiness is only real when shared so he finally has come to this real realization that this being in the wild by myself in solitude is not what's going to make me happy it's all these people in my life um but then he basically gets into his sleeping bag and he dies and this is where they kind of pan out after that. And we see that the waters calm down mm-hmm. and there's places where it's aren't as wide. And you're yeah. just like, man, you could have gotten across, you know, and that's and that's how the movie ends. Um, a couple of things that I have in here is that, you know, the book starts with them actually find like we see people finding Chris. Yeah, there were some uh, believe like just hikers or something that were just in the area and yeah. came upon the bus and found his body. Yeah, so we never actually see his body get found mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, yeah, and again, I mean, the whole book is written prior to him, or after he died. After he dies. In the movie, it's completely different. Um, another thing that I thought was interesting is that in the book, they talk about all these photos that he took. Mm-hmm. Um, and he there's no camera in the in the movie no. at all. He doesn't take any photos. No, with the exception of that final photo at the end of the movie where they say that that's his actual photo right. that he took. There's no like I Neil underst- Hirsch's character does not have a camera. I don't understand with him. why they didn't have him take a picture at any point. Yeah, I don't know. Um so yeah, so I mean a uh, well, couple things. more things. I mean, uh, we talked about how there's a, a big chapter in the book where um, the author kind of compares his situation to a few other hikers and, and people that have done this in the mm-hmm. past. I don't, I'm okay with, the, with that fact that they didn't include it in the um, movie. Um, at one point, the author himself goes hiking, not only mm-hmm. just to go back to the, the um, place where he, he died, but he just goes on his own adventuring right. and like kind of experiences it that you, we don't get um, his parents going back to yeah that's the, the epilogue and yeah like that was gut-wrenching yeah like to for yeah, his the whole epilogue to... is his parents going back to the bus where he died yeah which like and his mom like went so far as to like sit on the bed that he Ugh. died on and like it's just well and it, they talk about so how rough. they were gonna actually walk it 
Um, but like the conditions weren't good enough. So they yeah. ended up helicoptering into it. Yeah. I just, this, uh, and like one of the other things, which I thought was interesting. So in the movie, they kind of leave it at, he ate the wrong mm-hmm. version of the berries, p- the berries, the potato, um, root or whatever in the book um the author actually goes back and forth on trying to really like nail down what the reason was that he passed right. away so at one point that was his theory then he thought that the actual one that he assumed was um not poisonous which they believe that that's what he did eat but he ate the seed and not the root and i guess eating the seed has more toxins and then on top of that then he hypothesized that because Chris had kept the the roots or the seeds in a bag, that created mold. And that then was the catalyst for why he died. So yeah. it's interesting to see that the author even has gone through different yeah. iterations of like what was really the like the final cause, of, cause of his death. And like I mentioned yeah. earlier, the person who did the documentary thinks it wasn't even about the seeds. Yeah. That he actually just died, died because he didn't have any more right. supply. And it might have been a combination of I'm of sure. All and it. no one really will ever know. Um, you know. That's why I almost like because like... They showed him eating the sweet pea flower in the movie. Mm-hmm. But then it kind of like, there's a little bit of time in the movie where, you know, then he dies. Yeah. It's not like a, oh my God, I ate this and now I'm dead type right. thing. So they did leave it a little ambiguous in, yeah. in the movie as well. Um, but probably just for the visual effect of it. You, it's hard to say, oh yeah, look at this moldy seed that he might have <laughs> ate, you know? <laughs> right. So, yeah. uh, But at the end of the day, he, he did... Well, this author specifically um, still said that he ate that seed, the yeah. specific seed of the one that's not toxic, but the toxins in the seed was yeah. the cause of death. But again, we'll never 100% right. know. So, um, yeah. So, you know, did the did the movie stay true to the book? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to when it's a biography. Right. And know? I mean, really, the biggest difference is the fact of who it's told or you know who's telling the story yeah and how it's told so book or movie so this was a tough one for me um if i'm being completely honest i didn't love either right um with the exception of like the added stories of the other like hikers and stuff like i could have done without those but i think i'm gonna go with the book I am not. <laughs> That's what I figured. I gotta go with the movie. The book just lost me. Yeah. You know, we all know I'm not the reader in the group here. So like it books are a struggle for me anyway. And yeah. it just it got a lot I think a lot got lost on me. It has the you know, that effect of, you know, boring me. So then I just don't pay attention. It's like yeah. you know, perks of being a wallflower. Oh boy. So Yeah. Well, and I don't for me, because I picked the book, um, the main reason the movie was so rough is that we touched on this. Like a lot of the scenes drag on, like it did not need to be a two right. and a half hour movie. If it was a shorter movie, I may have picked the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I like the book and I think it helped that I used audiobook to have it read to me. Right. <laughs> that was a nice that's uh, true. But added bonus, but yeah, that's true. All right. That's it for this one. Make sure to hit subscribe on your podcast app. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a rating and leave us a review. <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Boovie Girls. And you can also email us at theboviegirls at gmail.com. And like we said earlier, we are on Patreon. We have a couple levels for you. Our rom-com level gets you episodes 24 hours ahead. You also get access to our Karen reviews. 
and our drama level gets you everything I already mentioned. You get a sticker for joining that Hannah will eventually give to you at some point. At some point in your life. <laughs> um, you'll get a shout out in a future episode and you'll also get access to our bonus content, including our movie serials episodes. Which we need to start the next one. I know. My rental's almost up on my library. Oh, really? Book, so we need to get on it. <laughs> I haven't even bought the book yet. Yeah. All you have to do to become a patron is go to patreon.com forward slash the movie girls. And up next, we are doing Girl on the Train. Is that what it's called? The Girl on the Train. The Girl yes. on the Train. Um, I know nothing about this one. I think it's a mystery thriller. I've never seen the movie or read the book. So I'm going in blind. I accidentally bought it, bought this one twice as well. Yeah, Google. we're gonna do a we're gonna do a giveaway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess we'll or we're both going in blind for this one. I like it. I like it too. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, and remember, don't judge a book by its movie. Bye. Bye.